Hello, all you wonderful educators out there. This is your host, Jasmine Habib, and this is Empowering the Next Generation. As I continue to learn and grow in my own teaching style and teaching philosophy, I find myself contemplating who wears the pants. Let's say there is an activity or some task that me and my students need to complete or even me and my fiance need to complete And we are going back and forth on who's going to do what, whose job is it to complete the task, is the task necessary, and things like that. I find specifically when working with my students that this constant power struggle is counterproductive and tiresome. So as I reflect on the various lessons that I give, I try to remember what worked and what didn't. How did I help my student make a sound decision and take personal responsibility for what was happening? Those two skills all fall under the umbrella of executive functioning. So the process of being able to self-regulate, self-monitor, and use the skills and materials around you to help you complete your goal. Those are all things that have to do with executive functioning and being able to make decisions that will help you improve. One situation in particular that comes to mind is star prep. The lovely, lovely star prep. Now, I am in Texas, so our state assessment is called STAR. You can look up what it means because it has changed so much, I have just decided to not even care what the acronym stands for. I just know that it is the state standardized test. Right now, I am working on star prep and getting ready for the test and practicing how to answer some of these questions and basically just getting familiar with the test is our primary focus. As many of you know, A majority of my students are mainstreamed and they are in the public education system. That's what works for their families and it's not a big deal, but state assessment is one obstacle that we work to overcome. We're doing this state assessment review and it is grueling. One The students are not prepared for the questions. They are structured in a way that is not intuitive with how we communicate in everyday life. 
you know, the questions are like, what sentence did so-and-so show that they were upset with their brother? Well, hello, basically throughout the entire passage, so-and-so was upset with their brother. What do you mean? They have to use deductive reasoning to figure out, okay, which one is the best answer? And what I find is that many of the students try to rationalize the different answers, which that is totally okay. It's normal. That's what happens. But when I come in and say, actually, this was the answer. This is how I got this answer. You know, next time when we're trying to cancel out the answer choices that don't really make sense, let's keep XYZ in mind. And that is where we get into some headbutting. So on one hand, the child is really upset because they feel like they did something wrong. So my first step is to ensure that, hey, it's okay that you got this answer wrong. One of them in particular likes to say, it's your fault that I got it wrong. So that's where we take the time to talk about personal responsibility and whose responsibility it is to learn this material, learn how to overcome this activity and to um, basically accomplish our goal. So we have that discussion of, okay, Mrs. Habib is not going to give you the answer. This is your choice. Make the choice that you think is best. And that gives them the opportunity to, one, take personal responsibility for the task at hand, but also to work on making sound decisions. I know that STAR prep or state assessment prep is not the most ideal time to work on this executive functioning, but it is definitely a highly structured event that we can work on these skills. One of my other students, one of the older students who is more familiar with testing, he and I focus more on writing and he Most of the time, he is fairly good at, you know, coming up with his own essay and then he and I are able to go through it together. But there are some times where he kind of feels overwhelmed with the amount of schoolwork he has that he just wants to give me the essay and say, hey, edit this, please. And that is, again, another opportune time for us to discuss whose responsibility it is to actually go through and edit it. Why is Mrs. Habib there? Of course, I pose the question to the, to the student, why am I here? And that is where he tells me, oh, to help me. And I said, great, I'm here to help you. Am I here to do it for you? And he looks at me and he's like, yes, that's his initial answer because impulsively he wants to say yes it is your responsibility to help me and to do this for me because that's what will help me and then I pose the question 
if I do it for you, am I helping you for the future? Am I always going to be right here available for you to get me to edit your essay, to add sentences when necessary, to complete a tough calculus problem? Am I going to be here all the time? And that is where they have to calculate within themselves and say, no, you are not going to be here all the time. Sound decision making can come in multiple ways. So the examples I've given you is more in an academic structured way, but there are several ways that you can start helping your child be more independent, but also be more definitive in what they want to do. For instance, getting them to dress themselves. If you have a preference on what your child wears, so let's say you don't want them to wear their princess dress with Halloween stockings and tennis shoes, give them three options. Give them, you know, options of what outfits they could wear or what tops they can wear. However you want to do it in your household, give them the options and let them choose. My reasoning for not letting your child 100% choose and dress themselves is because I have noticed that parents and people in the community and public will make comments about the choice the child has made. And me personally, even though it may not seem that the child is phased by the comments of, oh, wow, you chose to wear your Halloween socks with your princess dress. That's an interesting choice. Or, oh, wow, that doesn't really match. I mean, you know, let's be constructive and supportive for these kids because they are working on decision making. And unfortunately for them, they did not have guidance, right? They just said, they were just told, hey, you know, dress yourself today. What do you want to wear? What I'm basically recommending is that you take it a step up and give them options so that one, they will match, and two, they are having to make choices within a parameter, which is more functional in the life and world that we live in. If they go to a traditional school, they will be given choices and options that they must choose from, and deviating from those options is not really available. So one, you're helping them with that. And two, you are setting your child up for success. Eventually, they will grow up and improve their style and be able to, to literally choose for themselves. But asking a three-year-old to dress themselves is kind of like, you know, asking a dog to choose its food they may not choose the ideal choice. Another advantage to allowing your child to start making decisions for themselves and 
within lessons that you may be teaching if you're a homeschooler is that you can now have conversations about, oh, well, that was your choice. You chose to read your Minecraft book instead of playing the game. I gave you the choice and that's what you chose. And now you're upset because you want to play the game. Is that fair to me? Is that fair to our academics? And then, you know, that's where you can have that conversation of instead of immediately answering me, take a couple of seconds to really think about what you want. I realize that the processes that I discuss, they have a lot of words in them. I know you may feel like you don't have enough time to say all of these words, but trust me, take the time now to say all of these words and to work on your personal communication because eventually it will pay off in the long run because the friction between whose responsibility is what and who made the choice and things like that it will not be as rampant as it might be now. Even, even now, I'll admit that I still have um, verbal arguments with my students because they feel like I have made some choice or I have wronged them in some way. So rather than trying to say, no, I'm the adult, this is what I said, we're moving on, I take the time and talk through this scenario because I don't want to create a traumatic experience and traumatic experience could be as small as me moving your cup of water to a different location on the table to, you know, these really physical uh, experiences like car accidents and assaults and things like that. I don't want to create a situation in which the child's brain makes the connection that if Mrs. Habib does this, then this is how I need to react because I am being wronged. So I take a moment to kind of explain and walk through my thinking, my thought process, one, and two, to talk through who really made the choice and whose responsibility the activity or task ultimately is. Now, if I am wrong, I will take full responsibility for being wrong. For instance, um, I was editing an essay with one of my eighth graders and he and I were kind of talking past each other. So I was trying to encourage him to move a sentence to a different part of the paragraph and he had already done it. But the way that he was explaining it to me was not clicking for me. So finally I got up and went and looked at the iPad because we sit across from the across the table from each other and so I got up because I was like something's going on here so I got up from the table from my side of the table and I walked around and I said oh you already did it I'm sorry we were talking past each other I'm sorry that 
I wasn't understanding what you had already done. That's exactly why I got up to act to look at the essay. Instead of reacting like, ooh, yeah, I told you, as he has done in the past, he appreciated me explaining what I did, one, and two, taking responsibility and openly admitting that I was wrong. No matter the age of your child, man up or woman up or adult up and take responsibility for your own actions. Now, personally, that was definitely a challenge for me because I'm a know-it-all, I'm Mrs. Right, I know everything and I'm never wrong, right? That was my mentality for a very long time and as my fiance and that is still my that's still my mentality but when working with kids it's important that we show them that anyone can be wrong but not everyone can take the leadership approach and admit it. By admitting that you're wrong and taking responsibility for your actions, you are modeling leadership characteristics for your child, which in turn will help them communicate to you. As you all know, I am all about open communication, honesty, and basically just being a leader for your child. You probably already are a strong leader. When you improve your skills and improve your strategies and techniques, your leadership just seems even more prominent to your kid and you are showing them appropriate ways to communicate your feelings, communicate your decisions, and ultimately take responsibility for you and your actions. I hope what I discussed today was helpful. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to send me an email at sped. Grow Pro, S P E D G R O W P R O at gmail.com or head over to the Empowering the Next Gen, spelled G E N dot com. By no means am I the end all be all or do I know all the answers. But what I do try is provide perspective for all you teachers and parents out there. Until next time, this is Jasmine Habib, and we are empowering the next generation. Mm -hmm.